This is a shock podcast. Hello guys, welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that has one thing in common with Liverpool. Neither of us are qualified for next year's Champions League. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Easy to know. <laughs> uh, that's right, Liverpool officially missed out on a Champions League spot after Manchester United clinched the uh, last spot of the top four. Uh, more on that in a few minutes, but before that, I want to introduce today's lineup. We have Mr. Mifzal Malik. Hello, hello. That was me just now too. And a good friend of the show, Sonal Singh. Hi. It's his first time on the show, but already he's a good friend. <laughs> uh, first up, we have to talk about United's rivals, Manchester City. Uh, they clinched their fifth Premier League title in six seasons with a couple of games to spare. They were crowd champions after their nearest rivals, Arsenal, lost to uh, Nottingham Forest last weekend. Uh, this it was the same Arsenal that topped the EPL table for 248 days. It's a record for the most time spent at the top without actually winning the bloody thing. <laughs> what happened to Arsenal, guys? Are we really surprised? Mm -hmm. Because this, I feel like they have done this before. I mean, not for that long, obviously, because mm -hmm. this, this is a okay, record. So, so you're saying that they choked? Like they always do. We, we've seen it before. You see that they, they choked quite late this time mm -hmm. so they spent mm -hmm. yeah they, they spent their rent up there for quite a long time so i'm not surprised i was impressed that they managed to be up there for a long time but there's no <laughs> surprise that they, they they bottled it if you just re reverse the results that they've had right let's say the end of the season is at the start and that it, this could be the tale of a team that came out of nowhere and finished second but because like you said 248 days on top of the table and it was it just took, what, was it three weeks? Three straight draws before getting thumped by Man City, mm -hmm. and it was over. And they were still top of the table after the mm -hmm. loss against Man City, but you could tell the players, they were done. And the vibe was off. Mm -hmm. I want to Christian them a bit, you know what I mean? So I'm going to put a positive spin on it, right? For me, I don't think Arsenal choked at all. Right? I think they massively overperformed over the past 248 days, and... Um, Finally, reality kicked in and they went back to normal, mediocre Arsenal. That's true. I mean, and it was it was a 2-2 tie against Liverpool mm -hmm. in early April. And then another 2-2 tie away at West Ham and 3-3 against Southampton. So mm -hmm. they lost the league on the back of three straight draws. And I think that would sting more than just being completely outplayed. Mm -hmm. They didn't they have any injury problems like... Uh, Liverpool, did they? No, I think nothing major. I mean, Tommy was out, but I don't think it was yeah, that uh, big an impact. Martinelli was out for a few games, but I don't think that had a major impact on the slump at all. Yeah, it's just that, yeah, I think if they could just like reframe the narrative into this being a really successful season, despite yeah. expectations. But that's the thing, right? When you're top of the table for so long, <laughs> And you, you don't make any bigger complaints. You might as well have a big F tattooed on your forehead, right? <laughs> because that, at the end of the day, that's what people are going to look at. I mean, case in point, us. Well, <laughs> focus on the failure. Well, while ignoring the fact that 290, 200 and something plus days at the top. But Pfizer, that's not an achievement, is it? You don't, get a, you don't get a trophy for <laughs> it. Is, in a sense, it's a record. But, but um, I think Arteta can market it this way. Look, 
we obviously need reinforcements. This is what I was able to achieve with the squad I have. Support me financially. Give me proper financial support for the players I want. Let's see where we can go next season. It felt like he was doing his KPI with his bosses and he's mm-hmm. like, you know, I underpromised and over-delivered. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me making the hype that we're going to win the league this year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I get that, I get that. Okay, as for Man City, again, they've proven themselves to be the unbeatable, ultra-rich juggernauts uh, that they are. A one title already in hand, and they're the favourites to win the FA Cup and Champions League. A lot of it was thanks to Erling Haaland, right? I mean, he has been a revelation, regardless of your personal feelings about him. Yeah, I mean, look, if you have Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva and those that kind of quality players giving you the ball in those positions, it's... Do they even think of Sergio Aguero at this point? Uh, <laughs> I think they've moved on from their ex, you know? <laughs> Yeah, okay. You mentioned the players and all that. I, okay, granted, they were instrumental, but I think uh, most of the plaudits must go to Pep Guardiola. Uh, 11 times as a manager in Spain, Germany, and in England. Um, I hear a lot of moaning about City buying the title, right? But for me, I tell these guys, look at PSG. They spend I mean, boatloads of cash as well. But they've gone nowhere, uh, nowhere in Europe, right? You need someone like Pep to win. You could sign all the blank checks in the world, but without a guy with the brains at the top, right? You're not going to get anything. You can look at Chelsea for that, right? I I actually, I mean, despite the fact that, you know, I am biased in my opinion sometimes, but in the case of City, um, I truly... When you watch them play, you think this team will win every single game. And especially when you think about Pep and the team, uh, no matter how much I am jealous of how good they are, I have to applaud that they have... Okay, they they have... Money is clearly not an issue for them. Mm. But Pep and his genius mastermind... Yeah, he is the X Factor. There's no arguments there. Exactly, exactly. Is he arguably the best 30... Match a season manager you can get like in terms of just a league title run would you want him over anyone else at this point in hindsight yes in hindsight mm. for me it's not just a matter of within those 38 matches it's his long-term planning i mean and the, the way he rotates he's able to preserve his players unlike like say, somebody at liverpool you got Jurgen Klopp. i read somewhere that on average, his midfielders only last two seasons before they need to be refreshed because of how he sets up uh, his teams. He exhausts them. Um, Pet is able to manage his resources more, uh, a lot better. That's true. And then oh, if you look at the City's five titles over the last six mm-hmm. seasons, I think two of them came down to one point from Liverpool mm-hmm. in that time. And you thought, he's a great manager, but like you said, again, Man City, the way he can transform players, like, we were talking about this earlier about Raheem Sterling mm-hmm. and City and I mean coming from Liverpool to Man City and then going to Chelsea now mm-hmm. and just, just see the player it's the same player but it's just how it's being utilised by your manager it's just completely different Bernardo Silva was a playmaker and a winger and now you see mm-hmm. he's box to box mm-hmm. and like how many coaches are able to take a player so talented a, like a skillful footballer and just tell him look I want you to go up and down for 90 minutes and you're going to listen to me mm-hmm. so did you see like what he did uh, when City took the lead um, and Ederson came running to celebrate 
had a, a one nil up and then he was just screaming at us and he said game's not over yeah. get back in there yeah. it's like you know it's just it's very interesting to see like the contrast with him and Jose Mourinho, right? Because you can say they're both very cerebral managers. Mm-hmm. They they know how to manage their players in such different ways and players are almost willing to give everything they have for them. But again, it's maybe it's closer to like a Klopp Mourinho comparison where you just get burnt out, you know, mm-hmm. with a certain type of managerial style. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's interesting to see with Pep and his is his contract up this season or next? Next. Next, next, next. season. So do you guys think he'll renew? Maybe. Maybe, maybe if he wins the Champions League. Okay, that's the question. I don't know if he wins the Champions League or not. Is it a failed season if he doesn't win the Champions League? Actually, I think yes. Because him winning the league is... uh, It's expected. Yeah, true. True, yeah. By the way, guys, can we please talk about Manchester United and like how the performances... Look, it's so interesting that this is a team that on any given night, they they could show up. They have, they have the potential. Mm-hmm. They have the coach. Mm-hmm. They have some of that. But the thing is though, again, it's just, is it expectations? Is it the pressure of putting on that jersey? Expectations. Mm-hmm. As a fan, I can tell you, I have expectations when I watch a match and sometimes those expectations kind of kill me inside. <laughs> Unfortunately, not this, um, this morning for the United-Chelsea game. Mm-hmm. Um, but... If I'm being honest, sometimes we don't play well and we get a result. Mm-hmm. Disappoints me in a way, but at the end of the day, the result is all that matters. That's what champions do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, regardless of how cracky you, you may be, right? You can still get a 1-0 result. Yeah, so as Mibzal said, United beat Chelsea 4-1 this morning. As a result, they confirmed their position in the top four. And as we've uh, mentioned earlier, United... Superb uh, this season, Capetro. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yeah, relatively superb this season, right? Do you think they'll continue to improve the season under Ten Hag, or is this just another stumble? Like, uh, or, or will we, or will we see another stumble like after Oli's first season? I I can't see them stumbling like they how they did under Oli because there's a different dynamic to the way that um, what's his name Ten Hag operates in his team, how mm. he addresses his team, how he adjusts the press, what he says. Mm. There's the mechanics of all of his statements are far different, far more authoritative compared to the rest. Mm-hmm. At the same time, as a fan who has seen a lot, Keep I, expectations I, low. I'm, 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 I'm managing my expectations. I don't want to jinx anything because I feel like I have done that before. You don't want to be hurt again. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to see what I saw in the past. But let's just say I am hopeful mm-hmm. that we will top what we did this season. Hopeful. Mm-hmm. What about you? You know, it's an interesting last 10 years for a United fan, hasn't it? It's yeah. Been, you've had what? Six managers? Six, seven. You've had a lot. The football genius of Moyes replaced by Louis Van Gaal, Mourinho. Fellaini, number nine. (laughs) Remember those days? (laughs) That was unbelievable, actually. So, watching United, it's... Do we feel that it's... Have the managers been in charge of the transfers over Mm -hmm. these past 10 years? Or do you think it's been the ownership or... Again, your director of football, was it? It was Ed Woodward until the end of last season. Mm -hmm. Was it? And now... 
What's his face? <laughs> yeah, what's his face? Yeah, exactly, right? So when you look at United Foot, I think you you had the most expensive signing in the Premier League this season. Yeah. Anthony, right? 85 million pounds. Look, if you look at him in a vacuum, he's a great footballer. Mm-hmm. You're coming into the Premier League, you're a winger, you're tricky, you're this and that, and then he's, he's had, mm-hmm. oh, wouldn't say a great season, but he hasn't been absolutely horrible. Oh, absolutely not. But he's, he, he showed up when he has to. Sometimes he's a bit, mm-hmm. for me, a bit arrogant, but as long as the result shows, which mm-hmm. more often than not does, yeah, I yeah. And let's not forget, right, United is still up for sale. There's going to be a new buyer, and that is going to potentially either uh, push them forward or they become Bodhi's Club 2.0. Yes. I th- that's the thing about United, right? There's so much heritage. Like, you think about it, this past 10 years is probably... It's easily the worst period in your Premier League history. Yeah, Premier absolutely. League, right? And it's... What was the worst? You finished sixth? Seventh? Like, you, you did end up like, yeah. a, like a Liverpool or a Chelsea where their bad seasons, they're mid-mid-table. Yeah. You know? So, there's something about that club, like United, that... You know, it's... It's hard to describe the expectations of the fans and the, the players themselves. You always wonder, like, what was the decision-making behind spending how many million pounds on Harry Maguire? Mm-hmm. You know, I understand the English tax. I am just bringing Maguire back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to bring Ronaldo back. Yes, like, I mean, I understand the Ronaldo perspective because, like, if you look at it from a purely marketing and promo- promotional aspect, it was genius. Look, mm-hmm. one boy from United, he comes back home. It was. He got you your 2025 goals. Mm-hmm. You knew he didn't have these legs left, but he could still finish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what did you expect him to do at that point? Mm-hmm. But again, like he said, it's, you are kind of mortgaging your future mm-hmm. for your now when you were never going to win the league at that mm-hmm. point. So it's United is, is a very interesting case study of how how poor you can be on the pitch, but still, because of the expectations, they make it seem so much worse than it actually is mm-hmm. for many clubs. Like if we look at your Leeds United in the late 90s, you know, the mm-hmm. huge inflow of cash and then finished top four in the league, they went to the Champions League semifinals and mm-hmm. then within five years, they doubt. Mm-hmm. Leicester now, yeah, what's going on there? Blackbird, if you remember, Blackbird. That was that was a flash in the pan, right? Mm-hmm. So for I think for Man United, it's just there's so many pieces which you need to figure out as a team. And I think Ten Hag, with his history and his ability to manage the youth, and like, like you said, like his ability to manage players is not something like like Ole, like you would say. Like he's he's more of a motiv- old school motivation. Yeah, he goes yeah. in, and he's like, come on, guys, come on, you know, step up, just play harder, just play this and that. At some points, you know, as a team, you come in at halftime, you're 2-0 down, you're away from home, you know you're having a nightmare of a game. You need to bring out the hairdryer. Yeah, it's either yeah, it's either the hairdryer or like it, again, it's that manager, right? If it was Jose Mourinho doing what Ole did, mm-hmm. people would say, Oh, you know, it's Jose's man management stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think certain players just need instead of a come on, you guys need to step up, it's like yeah. hey, you know, he's for you, you're a fullback and it, you know, he's killing you on the outside. Mm-hmm. Force him in. You need to give more practical things. Mm-hmm. But then so we'll see Eric Ten Hag and his signings. I think what I still wonder is what happened to Donny van den Beek. I'm just, Ooh. I loved him as a player. I thought he could, I thought he could work, but I don't know. As fans, what do you guys think? What happened there? He's leaving. I think, I hope he does. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> leaving. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I, I think he was a very, I might be being, I might be going a bit soft, but I feel like he wasn't given a chance. I don't know. Donny van der Hoek? <laughs> you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> and I think for the 50th time in the past three years, you're linked to Frankie de Jong <laughs> again. So, I mean, when United 
Top four, Champions League. You secured another big bag. Mm-hmm. Liverpool's not in the Champions League. That's even more bragging rights. I mean, that is a bigger bragging right than actually being in the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, yeah, even with whatever happens at Liverpool, right, the squad, pound for pound, if you just look on paper, is better than United's. Mm-hmm. On paper, Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. But, but their legs are gone. Most of them, anyway. Legs are gone, true. And that's just, it comes down to the style of play with Klopp, right? Even mm-hmm. in Dortmund, when he started at Mainz, and they mm-hmm. Dortmund, it. It's just, yeah. you have such an intense style of your gig and press. Yeah. Yeah. Look, okay. So that is one issue with Liverpool, right? The Klopp style wears out players very quickly. Uh, there's also the issue of Klopp being too loyal to his favorite players. I mean, um, he keeps them on when he knows that they should be moved on. All right. Um, to. <laughs> to put in another way back, there has to be a time when, you know, you take the dog to the back of the shed and then take out the shotgun oh. and... I, the comparison, man. It's <laughs> a bit extreme. <laughs> Old yellow time. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's funny, right? Yeah, but, but he insists on being loyal to them sometimes to the detriment of the club as a whole. Now, obviously, you need to ask club. You say he deny it, but... <laughs> we see what we see. And to get players to buy in in your style of play, I mm-hmm. think you need that kind of loyalty because, look, you're making two hundred thousand pounds a week, mm-hmm. and like over the course of a season, you want me to to basically mm-hmm. die on the field for you. I, yeah. You've got to show me some sort of loyalty. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I might disagree with Klopp's style in that sense, in man management style. But again, as a manager, yeah, okay. good. Klopp's beef with the referees this season. Do you think he has a point? Or is it overblown? Because I can tell you something, okay? And it's not just, okay, maybe it is because I'm a fan, but if you look at the Liverpool uh, uh, refereeing decisions against Liverpool in the Premier League, compare that to when they're in Europe, right? It seems that refs are a bit more unfair towards uh, Liverpool in the Premier League. In okay, case in point, Cody Hakpo had a boot to his chest, and the guy only had a yellow card. To be fair, that was what Nigel de Jong got in the 2010 World Cup final too, right? Mm. So sticking his stats into Iniesta, and he also only got a booking. So mm. I just think refereeing standards up. I think they're inconsistent. And they're, Did they use VAR? Not, not just for Liverpool. Mm. It's, it's for many teams out there, I see that you, you can kick a player in this match, you get a yellow, you, get, you, you do the same thing in another match yeah. and somehow it's a red. And in yeah. some matches, you don't get anything at all. Yeah, and, and, and you get yellow carded after being elbowed by a linesman. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. I remember like when my dad used to play and then he used to explain mm-hmm. how for the footballers, they don't care if a referee is good or bad. Like, like you said, they just want them to be consistent yeah. from game to game. What can I do? Like if, he, if somebody hits me, uh, hits my teammate off the ball, I go hit them. I get a foul, you don't get a foul, you've already lost my respect. Like, I don't know what's going on in your mind. So, mm-hmm. and again, th- I guess the implementation and the way they've executed VAR is, it's weird compared to other leagues. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the referees still want the spotlight. I mean, because, I mean, you can have the, you can have all the best technology in the world helping you, but at the, at yeah, the end of the day, people running up it's a human years. being making decisions exactly. at the end of the day. Yeah. It doesn't actually matter how good the tech is. Yeah, that's true. Now, joining Liverpool in the Europa League is Brighton, right? Um, for Liverpool, it's a disappointment to be in the Europa. For Brighton, it is the highlight of the club's history. It's their first time in Europe. 
And it's all thanks to Roberto De Zerbi. If anyone is deserving of praise, it has to be him, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, a club that has spent, how much had they spent? Less than three figures? I mean, 100 million pounds at most. And being able to play this kind of pocket change for City. It's true. It's true. But like to be able to, you know, get into European spots, that's huge for a team. But I think that could be a detriment for the next season. Mm. Honestly. Like, I mean, especially if, you, if they lose uh, McAllister. Yeah. Oh, he's rumored to go to Liverpool, right? Yes. Mm. And you lose a World Cup winner, he goes to Liverpool. Do you think he'll start immediately at Liverpool if he no, goes? I'm not sure. Would you, if you were him? If you were playing for Leicester and you were starting for, uh, sorry, you're playing for Brighton, you're starting for Brighton and then Liverpool comes in and they don't guarantee you a starting eleven. would you still go? Despite being United fans, of course. Because of the name and the heritage that Liverpool has, he would still join. Because at the end of the day, his CV, right, played for Liverpool. That's, yeah, that's important. He'll probably get subbed on, but, but I, mm. if I was him, yeah, I would, I would take that. Take that. It's yeah. Liverpool. And... Uh, realistically, okay, whether he he's an immediate starter or he gets uh, led in, I think it depends on how soon the transfer happens. If it's uh, if it happens, let's say a week or two after the transfer window opens, he has more time to gel with the team, understand the philosophy, get along with the other players. Yeah, he could be an automatic starter if it's towards the end of the transfer window. Um, it will take time for him to adjust. Going to be still behind Jordan Henderson and a fifty-seven-year-old James Milner. And you know, making all his leading. Oh, he's oh he's gone at the end of the season. Okay, yeah. so hey, so Klopp's taking the dog out the back. Yes. <laughs> Were you exaggerating when you said fifty-seven-year-old? <laughs> I think so. I because I can't, I can't really tell actually. I don't think about it. He has been in the Premier League since since uh, since How before Chicago Bears meets were born. Born, so God. <laughs> well, the towel, man. And yet, and yet, he still performs at a high level. We want to talk about Tottenham and Chelsea, but uh, I don't think we have time for that. Uh, more on them in the next episode. For now, let's talk about the bottom of the table, guys. Uh, and two teams that you may not have expected to actually face the threat of relegation. First up, Southampton. Um, their relegation was confirmed recently after a 10-year spell uh, in the Premier League. Seven years ago, they reached the high of an 8th place finish. Or was it 8th or 6th? I can't remember. Uh, top 10 finish. Now, they're at the bottom of the standings. Meanwhile, Leicester are in serious danger of going from champions to the championship. Uh, they won the title in 2016. And now, all I can say is, what? I'm actually shocked that Leicester are, what, they're already getting relegated? They're already relegated? I, I feel like I remember like it was just yesterday when they lifted the trophy. Mares and Vardy. Yeah, I, I don't exactly know how this happened because I, I don't obviously... I don't it just has to show you, uh, especially those idealistic folks out there, fairy tales never end in a happy ending. <laughs> This is where the story ends, right? <laughs> like for Leicester, it's, it's, look, you're, you're still starting your uh, Jamie Vardy's 36. Mm. They lost Wesley Fofana at the start of the season, but mm. he's not exactly having a brilliant mm. season at Chelsea either. But yeah, it's like, like, like you said, it's just, it's curious how a team can go from where they were here in seven years. I think, Faisal, you're saying something about how COVID could have affected the ownership? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, the the pandemic, I think it severely affected the, the owner's finances. So they didn't have 
uh, enough money to reinforce the squad at the start of the season. Um, when I think when Brendan Rogers found out about that, right? Basically, he said, okay, I'm going to get sacked. I'm just going to go on holiday and enjoy my paycheck. Lah. Makan gaji buta lah. Uh, and I think that is the issue with Leicester as well. I think they waited too long to sack Rogers. If they had made the change maybe after the World Cup, they could have salvaged something. True, possible. Well, is Leicester really the type to operate solely on money? Because they, they, they won the league with a relative... Once a humble a humble squad yeah. to win even once with a humble squad yeah. that's insane. Okay, remember the, the season immediately after they won, they were facing the threat of relegation before they sacked Ranieri. Yeah, I mean, again, you don't want to call it like a flash in the pan of mm. doing it so well, but, but it, it is a flash it, in the pan. It is, it is. But that's the thing, right? The style of play for Leicester has not really changed over mm. the years. They still like mm. to play their attacking four three three football, mm. but you don't have the personnel to. To execute, so it's tough. Yeah. And that was with Leeds and Bielsa mm-hmm. in the past few years. I loved watching Bielsa. I mean, like, the results and them, and, but and his Chanko. Yes, <laughs> he is. It's so much fun to watch. And then you, as you watch Leeds over the years, they still try to have that attacking football. But mm-hmm. when you go up against other teams who play the same style of football, but mm-hmm. pound for pound, you look at player for player, mm-hmm. they're just better than you. It's it's always going to be an uphill battle. Yeah, it's like Skinny Me going up against an in his prime Mike Tyson. <laughs> that wow. is the easiest bet of my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, okay, going back to Southampton and Leicester's Kajab, right? I think one of the issues is you know, they become selling clubs. Southampton, they have players like Adam Lalana, top class players, and they've not uh, been able to replace them with like for like uh, players. Their selection is not really. It's kind of mid. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's so tough for them because you realistically long term cannot compete with the big boys mm-hmm. because yeah. you don't have the investment and the money coming in. Mm-hmm. FFP kind of hinders the mid table and the lower the smaller clubs from trying to make that leap, and that's why mm-hmm. they always go for these big owners, right? Because mm-hmm. they come in it's huge injection of cash, and then you assume okay, if you spend it wisely. We're going to take uh, ourselves up there. Mm. And for clubs like these, when you do become selling clubs, your youth system needs to be top-notch. Grassroots. Mm. It's so difficult. Yeah, what happened to Southampton's uh, youth system? I mean, they, they it, was, it was top-notch. Famous, yes. And I think, I think now, because you can just get poached at like mm. 15, you know, if somebody's just, okay, United Academy or somebody wants you, mm-hmm. would you rather train at a Southampton Academy where the facilities and the coaching might be better but again it's the heritage right mm-hmm. somebody comes in from a top four or what the Europeans usually do because I think in the Premier League you cannot sign players beneath a certain age and in mm. Europe it's different mm-hmm. so that's why you have a lot of 16, 17 year old Brazilians mm-hmm. or uh, Argentinians going to academies in Europe mm-hmm. and doing that so it's it's such a complicated thing but I just personally I I want Everton to go down. I think they've <laughs> you want Everton they've to stolen, go down. They've stolen the living, man. Uh-huh. This season, like I think, if you look at the style of play, I just, I just for me, it's just I, if based on what I like to watch, mm-hmm. I prefer to watch Leicester and Southampton than Everton. Mm-hmm. And Everton have been in the Premier League for like 68, 69 consecutive years. I mean, mm-hmm. in the top division of English football. Mm-hmm. So it's we need something. It's high fresh, time, you know. Yeah, d- <laughs> throw a bone to the Liverpool fans, you know. At least we get something to celebrate this season, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Here's the weird thing about the Liverpool Everton rivalry, right? It, their derbies traditionally they've been called a friendly derby because you get you get like the same family. You got one brother supporting Everton, one brother supporting Liverpool, and 
it wasn't, it was never really that toxic until I think in the 80s. Or was it when uh, Robbie Fowler did the, he uh, <laughs> uh, put his hand to his nose and he slid across the touch no, line? I think it's because of after Heisel, um, uh, Everton were going for the European Cup. They were the best team in England. For the yeah, but it's because of, uh, because of what happened at Heisel and Liverpool, um, English teams were banned for five years and that opportunity just went up in smoke. So, yeah, I think they're still bitter about that. <laughs> yeah. Can't blame them. <laughs> yeah, I'd be bitter too. <laughs> okay, so that's your vote for Everton. Uh, okay, Mesh, between Everton and Nice, who do you think uh, is going down? I think Everton, uh, Leeds, although I don't really religiously follow them, I think they play pretty, pretty well. You know, for what I've seen, Everton, they don't really show that kind of winning mentality sometimes and it's unfortunately it's no surprise that they're down there mm -hmm. so basically you're backing on uh, on sam allardyce saving another team from the drop huh? okay before we go guys i want to ask you guys two things huh? what's been the worst management decision of the season and why is it Todd Bowley doing anything. Yes. Oh my God. Yes, <laughs> Every, literally everything is there at Chelsea made no, can you even say one thing that made, that made sense? He had James Corden in the director's box because <laughs> they're a joke of a club. So <laughs> I guess that was the punchline for that one. I'm surprised he stayed that long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is, uh, Todd is, I guess, He's, is he all a baseball club or does he all something? I think so. Somewhere in the US. US, mm -hmm. right? And that it's, if you can draw parallels to Liverpool's ownership, right? Because mm -hmm. they were, were they the Boston Red Sox? Yes. So it's, you're bringing an American management style mentality mm -hmm. in, and then you don't seem to surround yourself with people, people who actually know what they're doing. You know their football, mm -hmm. which is weird for such a big club. You would assume, like, you're going, okay, all said and done about Robert Abramovich, he, Yes, sometimes he would pull the trigger on coaches too fast. Mm -hmm. But he seemed like he but was I a logical, ever, rational man. Yeah, but uh, I oh. don't ever recall him sacking two managers in a single season. Yeah, that's true. Like you need, look, managers need time. You mm. always need time. They always say they always need time, right? And that's mm -hmm. the reason that they always sign at least three to five year contracts. But yeah, it's Chelsea. I think Spurs' interim manager lasted four games. Yeah, Spurs is another one. But <laughs> if you want to talk about managers needing time, <laughs> is that the ownership or is that Daniel Renevi as the problem? Because he's the one consistent thing over the past 12, 13 years. You can't call them Spurs anymore. It's just Harry Kane FC, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. he's just been unbelievable. Like when is he? When is he going to United? That's another rumor I've been. When is he? Waiting no, not, not about going to United. When is he leaving Spurs? Exactly. It's just I don't know, guys. Okay, last question, guys. Most overrated signing this season for me because of his past glory right Raheem Sterling to Chelsea biggest disappointment uh, there's a huge gap between what could have been and what actually happened that is true and he was it wasn't cheap either right? it was like almost 50 million pounds to Chelsea and it's just again like is it the management as well? Is it like, remember remember this, mm. another Ten Hag boy, Hakim Ziyech? <laughs> that was, he's a hell of a player. Where's he gone? They turned him into a wing back for a while at Chelsea. It's just, yeah, I, I probably agree. But for me, I think it'll be Wesley Fofana. 
going banana fanta for fanta yeah going to chelsea as well 17 million pounds from leicester mm. it's just it's just not working out but how much of it is on him and how much is it on like a 39 year old Thiago silva being mixed as a center back it's almost like if you're martinez and you're you look at the starting lineup it's like it's Maguire with me again it's not Varane you know it's like you just gotta mentally prepare yourself for the next yeah. 90 minutes so, what do you think uh, I think it's just literally any player in among Chelsea's 50 signings this season <laughs> that's true literally yeah. any just name someone because I've lost count <laughs> how big is their dressing room by the way like an auditorium, <laughs> you know, loudspeaker. Like everybody has their headphones, like in those FIFA things, translating the manager to you. I think they could uh, host a Coldplay concert in the dressing room. <laughs> wow, massive! With that, we come to the end of another episode of the Podball Sportscast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Sono, for sitting in. Thank you. It's awesome to be here with you guys. And thank you, Myth, for being well behaved for once. My pleasure. It was difficult, but I tried. <laughs> I am Faisal Merigan. I'm Inzal Malik. I'm Solo Singh.